Good morning, good morning. You are listening to Triple H 100.1 FM and stay in the loop with Lucy on a wet morning. I'm sure the farmers are um, very relieved to, to see this rain. I just hope that it's reaching them because um, we don't want to waste a drop at the moment. You have, if you haven't joined us before, then welcome. You are listening to Stay in the Loop with Lucy, a show that covers health and well-being through connection to people, people in our community and people beyond, who share with us their experiences, their decision-making and consequences, and regardless of age, their innate wisdom. By discerning and getting a sense of what is transferable from what these guests share, we can choose to apply the relevant aspects in our lives and in our community, and develop programs that found a more sustainable, loving and heartfelt way to be with each other, thereby improving our physical and our mental health. My show today is um, at the start of Mental Health Week. Mental Health Day uh, is on Wednesday, the 10th of October. It's a day where you know the United Nations place a focus on the importance of of mental health and are now seeing mental health as equally important to physical health. And I don't know about you, but I'm just hearing so many stories about poor mental health, about mental health that, you know, we, we, we really didn't even think about. And now we actually do. It's a, it's a day-to-day part of ours, if not someone we know's life. I think stress is a rather large part of that. And so my show today is is about study stress and juggling life with stress and some of the stresses that we we come across. And so really very specifically today about the stress that comes from studying and doing life, the, the juggle, no matter what your age. The HSE starts in two weeks. Uni is in the middle of midterms and, and gearing up to end of semester exams. There are countless, you know, me amongst them, of people who've gone back to study and are juggling a number of life commitments at the same time as trying to fulfill their study commitments. So I felt really drawn today to share some of the inside challenges around studying and balancing that with, with a healthy way to study. And if you want to call in and share some of your tips and tricks, I'd be really interested to hear them. Um, or perhaps some of your challenges and we can, you know, we can work out what, what they are. It's very difficult to be a family member watching a person who is studying struggle. And so <laughs> one, of the, one of the talks that I do through my company, YBU, is parenting through the HSE. How to parent around times of high stress, the baccalaureate, the um, GCSEs, your HSEs. They all are crazy times in a young person's life where you have to study and recall and regurgitate information that you partly are saying, oh, where's this going? What's the point of this? What's the purpose? And yet... It's a box that we that that we at that age have to tick in order to open doors to careers that we may feel very impulsed to to follow. 
But education is bizarre, isn't it? I remember my children squashing themselves into this square box when they were teeny weeny in preschool. You know, they were, they were, they were rounded, spherical beings. They were very sensory. They, they laughed. They played. They, um, they discovered through. Uh, through trial and error, through making mistakes, through having fun and seeing what worked and what didn't work. But when they went to preschool, they had to colour inside the lines and they had to, to learn how to write. They had to learn those motor, those new motor skills that were a bit more contained. The sun had to be yellow, not blue, and they were things to learn by a particular time and they had to learn them rote. You know, it's... You just have to learn your timetables. You don't necessarily know how you're going to apply them or what's the point of them, but you just learn that one plus one equals two, two plus two equals four. And, of course, there are a gazillion fantastic songs that help you learn that. Um, yes, that stay in a, in a parent's brain well into the afternoon or into the morning or when the situation where you've been singing them is long gone. And I guess that's the purpose of them is that they are... They're, um, brain worms really but what I also noticed was that if they didn't fit that model and they didn't fit into the model that, of the timelines that they would be looking for then they were perhaps developmentally delayed or advanced or maybe there was something a little um, cognitively wrong with them and Rather than um, embracing the different ways that young people learn, I do think it's different now. I do think we embrace different ways to learn by seeing, hearing, touching and experiencing. And some schools, and predominantly the private schools, because they have more capacity to do that and more willingness to experiment with different educational um, uh, styles, you know, they can look to have um, students running around the oval if they're not you know if they're not settling in class rather than making them sit for an, uh, half an hour an hour on the go you know I think now we we put out a label of ADHD and a whole load of other you know attention deficits a little bit too quickly rather than understanding what is the young person struggling with here do they not see the relevance of, of what you're learning are you making it relevant or not so it's really quick, really quick. Um, we can very quickly learn to shut off our connection to playfulness and imagination and expression through what we feel in favor of getting approval from the teacher or our parents. And, you know, many years later, wondering how we got into a situation where we overwork and we, we, we uh, push ourselves to a boundary. Um, when in fact are we still looking for that approval from but just from different places and do we rarely get the opportunity to study for ourselves in order to perhaps provide a service to the world or what is our service to the world this show is going to talk about stress and what that looks like um, around studying and what that looks like around the juggles what are the juggles i'm I, I suspect, well, hopefully you'll find it as fun as me to look at the struggles because, let's be honest, some of them are absurd. Um, and what about, what can we do around someone who is studying? How can we support them? Uh, and what can the studiers, my new word, do for themselves? I put myself in that category because, you know, I'm, uh, 
I'm studying uh, as well as being a researcher and found out yesterday that oh, I, I was asking myself what on earth I was doing and why I was doing it. Um, a much well-worn path, I suspect, by many. But we are the people who can, you know, put the changes in our lives, I say it every week. And in our study, it is no different. So the show today is an up close and personal with study, stress, the anxiety, the need, and more importantly, the purpose, and how we can support ourselves to embrace our commitment to that purpose but also keeping it in perspective. School is compulsory, needs to be done, but not everyone will enjoy it or find it easy. The question of relevance comes up a lot. I talk to a lot of students who say, really, what is the point of trigonometry? When am I ever going to use it? What is the point of Shakespeare? When am I ever going to use it? However, I disagree with them on the Shakespeare one and talk about how Shakespeare managed to Give us a picture of us as a society, of us as a humanity. And he really gets every single character picked up in his plays. He mocks us. He points out the things that we do that are illogical and nasty and unpleasant. And he also gives us a road to redemption. Another expression that a young person gave me that they felt that they always wanted to have which just tells me how much judgment they feel from us, whether we are aware of it or not. Not everyone will find school easy, though, and the question of relevance becomes a worm that just eats away at them and can mean that they distract and detach from school. They don't pay attention in classes their confidence goes down because then when they next go to class they're they're not they're not really understanding what's going on some teachers inspire and make their topics relevant to today some are honest about their lack of relevance or irrelevance but love the subject so much that it inspires the students to have an interest in questioning and and transferring and discovering and training their brain to work out things and so that they can use those skills in, in other areas, other more practical and perhaps relevant areas. Conversely, you know, there are some teachers who struggle from class to class to inspire and often to keep order. Um, but I'm not going to focus on teachers in this episode because we can rarely, let's be honest, do anything about that. I'm going to focus on students and us as studiers, and how we can find a way to inspire ourselves. We have to go back, though, don't we? One step to why do we study. In these shows, I make it very clear that we're amazing just as we were when we were born, that actually um, we don't need to make ourselves into anything if we can stay connected to that source that we're from and the, the, the deliciousness that we are when we're born, that everyone coos and oohs and ahs over. I mean, really, we're pooing and vomiting and spewing and gurgling, and we still get absolutely adored and loved. So what changes? You know, why do we have to suddenly say the right words and, you know, do the right thing when actually if we stay connected to that original source chances are we do the right thing and and care about each other and feel that connection of of ourselves to each other innately so there are skills however that we need to learn along the way so that we can bring 
a service to the world. We can feel like we're contributing to humanity in whatever way that is. For some, it might be on a very practical and um, uh, on a very practical level, a level bringing the order to the things that are that are day to, that support our day to day living. And I remember when the um, bin men and, and I know there's a different expression for them now, but in when I was growing up, it was always men that did it. Um, the bin men, when we were growing up, went on strike because they didn't feel they were appreciated and they didn't feel they were paid correctly, and it was chaos refuse everywhere there were rats around london it was just i mean more rats should i say but you know it was chaos it was chaos and all of a sudden everybody started appreciating the people who come rain hail shine christmas day bank holiday whatever it was turned up to pick up our rubbish all of a sudden they were vital to the infrastructure of our city and our community. The same could be said from knowing who your reception is, receptionist is and valuing the fact that they answer the phone, they are the face of your company. So if you don't know their name and actually pay attention to how they got on over their weekend or how they're feeling or what's going on in their life, then you're not appreciating some of the infrastructure and the office managers and the secretaries and the, the people who do the, the grassroots of your office. If you don't appreciate them in your office, then something's not going to be right with the output that you put out to the world, whether you are running Sydney trains or you're uh, running a multinational media company um, it doesn't really matter. Every single person contributes uh, from, the, from the person that cleans your, cleans your desk every night to the person who puts out your uh, media release. Everybody is important. And, and there are skills that are needed to train you to be able to do that. So some people might have to go to university to, to study marketing or to, um, or to do engineering or to do whatever it may be, architecture, medicine. Those are very, really important. But when we take our skills and go into the workforce, we also need to be able to fulfill the commitment that we've made to that profession. We need to be well in ourselves in order to be able to consistently turn up every day. So there's very little point in doing all of that study if you leave yourself behind and what you actually uh, put in place is a pattern of behavior that leaves yourself less that that stops you taking care of yourself in a way that means you can turn up every day and you don't abuse yourself at the weekend and then Monday's a write-off because you're so hungover from the weekend or you go out and get so lashed on Friday or Saturday night that you spend all of Sunday recovering and you don't actually get your washing done or your cooking done for the week or your bed made or your house tidied all of those things those are those apartments now as the song said we're always finding our way we're always learning but intelligent people aren't always the ones who look after themselves intelligent people make really unintelligent decisions i did my masters in public health and there is no question that education is important to health outcomes 
but it is not the only thing because you have to apply that intelligence and never, ever forget the wisdom that comes from your body because it's your body that's going to tell you so much about how you're studying and why you're studying. Oh, I am reminded of the why and I really wanted to talk about purpose and how we find our purpose and how young you can know what your purpose is. Do we all know people who from a really young age, just knew what they wanted to do. They knew they wanted to be a doctor. They knew they wanted to be a train driver. They knew they wanted to be a chimney sweep. They knew they wanted to run a television company or make television shows or be a presenter or be an actor, or be a dancer. They just knew it was, it was almost like it was in their body. Maybe it was, you know, just part of the reflections that they saw in life. Their, their father was a lawyer, so they really could get, they got the law, they understood it. But there were elements of it they, they just wanted to change. Maybe there are elements they don't. Personally, having seen what I've seen of the law in the past few months or the past year, I just kind of go, mm, you know what, the law stinks, it's lost its way. We need to find our way with that again. So, again, what are the bits that we take for granted? What are the bits... Um, that we presume will just come to us? How do we know what we want to do? And is there a major struggle when we feel we don't know what we want to do and we feel like we're you know, behind the eight ball and everyone else knows what they want to do, but we don't know what we want to do? Well, I'm 50 now and, and I find that I am just starting to see how my life and the journeys that I've taken in my life and the detours that I've gone down and well, rabbit holes that I've gone down are all starting to come together to make some sense. Looking back, I can understand why I did what I did. I brought, I brought understanding to the decisions that I made. So I wonder if we can encourage our young people to not feel like they're making decisions for life, but that, you know, what we, our role is to to help young people, whether they're in our families or homes or around us, whether we can help them to get an idea of where their strengths lie and where, where what skills they can build. And it might be that they need to learn them through life and it might be that they need to learn them through a course. But either way, they see the purpose of why they're where they are and learning. I found one of the areas that really struck me was my purpose in my purpose of why I'm doing what I'm doing is really important when everything around me is falling apart. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you a little story about why that's relevant. When you are juggling um, home, life, work and study and it all gets very hard you need to understand that you why you're doing it to know the foundations and the um, order that you need to bring around you in order to make what you're doing possible as a parent as a wife as a um, a worker um, have jobs and a freelancer and that you know presenter here as well as my study i have many different hats that i wear 
But the first hat that I wear is my um, dedication and my consistency in my care for myself because I am myself in all of those places. And if I don't look after myself, then I will fail in one or other and I will turn it on myself. Foundations and building those foundations is really important. We'll go to those after the news, but that sense of purpose is really important. And I just encourage everybody to just take a moment and say, what's my purpose in life? And to talk to your mates, talk to your friends, talk to your family, and actually say, you know, from a, from a young age, what are the things that interest you? What are the things that really, really get your goat about um, life and society? And is there something that you can bring with your talents to change that? Whatever job you are in, it doesn't matter if it's a, an industry that you class as shallow or a business that you class as not important. What quality do you bring to what you're doing? And what is your purpose of going into work every day? And, and make that something that is part of why you look after yourself and then you bring that to, to others. My show this morning is an up close and personal with study, the stress, the anxiety and the need. And more importantly, the purpose and how we can support ourselves to embrace our commitment to that person, but keep it in perspective. Now, I was talking um, before about the fact that we um, can get completely swept up in our study. We can forget, you know, really why we're doing what we're doing. We can get so focused on the outcome that we can take any route to get there. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a parent, I said before for the break, I gave you those, those jobs and those roles that I have and none of them change just because I'm studying. And it changes with age of your children. So you're going to be much more hands-on when your kids are younger and much less hands-on when your kids are older. They still have demands, but they're still there. Now, I um, got a phone call from Robin Jones, who's on the phone with me now, who's just going to give us a little bit of a snapshot of what it's like to study and parent young children and how you can keep that in perspective. Welcome, Robin. Oh, thanks, Lucy. <laughs> uh, now, I, fellow studier, um, <laughs> it's not easy, is it, to juggle those demands? I mean, you know, when dinner gets done, I know I can be sitting there studying and right in the middle of something and just really needing to get to the end of it, but having this enormous guilt in me that, I know that if I do that, the choice is that no, I won't have thought about dinner, let alone started it or made it. You just feel like you're letting so many other people down by actually focusing on that. There's a balance though, isn't it? I can imagine with young children, you actually don't have that much choice. Well, they're not that great with boundaries like older people, yeah. older kids. So I've got an 11 and a four-year-old. So if I'm busily working away on an assignment and I'm in the zone, um, it's usually one of them will come up and go, oh, mum. And I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> like, no. <laughs> um, but also what I've found is that the more I place emphasis on uni over and above my family, the more out of balance I become. Mm -hmm. So I've had to really pair it back and go, okay, well, there's uni time and then there's family time. Um, and that's really, that's really supported me to be able to not feel guilty, but also, um, 
when I do feel guilty to understand that this is actually what I've committed to and they're just going to have to deal with it. Yes. So it's like it's like having a having your proportioning up your day or portioning, I should say, up your day to to know that when you are working then that's where that's where you're working and you, you know they they can't disturb you in that time but then you when you're when you're with them you are fully with them so that they feel totally met and connected to and then they might not need you quite so much when you're then distracted yeah and we've had to talk as a family too with my husband about what actually supports us all so keeping the the girls on schedule and not a rigid schedule but it's a it's something that will support all of us if they have dinner at, at around the same time and they're bath and they're in bed at around the same time. And if I'm, if I have to get, if, you know, if I've got a deadline, then my husband has to step in and keep that rolling on. Otherwise, it just puts too much pressure on all of us. So it's, it's asked everyone in the family to kind of step up and be more responsible because I'm not doing it all for them mm. and nor do I need to. Mm. It gives them the life skills to be able to do it for themselves as well, doesn't it? If we if we look yeah. at you know the role modelling of that, your kids are four and eleven, so um, they're going to start. They're going to go through their school system. They're going to have homework and they're going to have assignments and they're going to have deadlines and pressures. So it teaches them that life still goes on. The basics of looking after yourself are really important foundation. And they need to, to take on regardless of the pressures that you've got, which, of course, again, is a life skill because you take that into your work life. Yeah, and also um, modelling to them too. Like I had a recent um, really busy period with assessments where I had one assessment due every single week. Um, and we'd also moved house and the first, you know, week three of uni. So I was behind the eight ball to start with in, you know, in terms of being on time with all my work. So... I got to like the second deadline and it wasn't the quality that I normally put in and I was stressed and I had yelled at a few kids along the way and, you know, oh my God, like just take them out. Like I can't get my work done. And it got to like the next week and I'm like, I don't have time to do the washing. I don't even have time to parent my children. I don't even have time to, you know, like do everything that I need to do, which actually supports me and the family to be able to do everything that we do. So I just stopped and went, I need to ask for an extension. Like, it's not going to take over my life. Yeah. Um, you know, because I was getting to the point of the verge of tears. Yeah. It was, like, it's not okay. No. So, yeah, I find the university system tries to, and the education system can try to take over your life mm -hmm. and kind of dominate it. And so part of my learning is actually how to put it all into balance and go, yes, that's super important, but everything else is important too. Yeah. And the uh, the the ability to ask for an extension is there for a reason. It's not to be abused, you know. It's not say just sit on Netflix for and watch an entire series of X, Y, and Z, and then moan about the fact that you haven't had time to do your uh, to do your assignment. It's actually saying, you know, use it wisely, but do it as a. You know, I mean, it, sitting there crying and and having heart palpitations and raising anxiety and stress, it's not worth it. it you know, really, it's, it's no. got to be kept in perspective. It is, and, and I do have the commitment and I don't procrastinate. Um, actually, I don't think I procrastinate very much at all. Mm. Um, so the commitment and the dedication is there, but, like, I knew that if I kept going that way, I would end up a wreck, sick, 
not being able to actually do my job as a parent, which is probably more important than the uni at the moment because my kids are young, mm. um, that I just needed to be super responsible and just go, you know what, I actually need to breathe. I need to stop. I need to take parent, you know, parenting seriously right now because the kids are getting a little bit off um, and uni has to wait for just a moment. Do you think that children in our lives are quite a good reflection of how um, how things are going? They're a good barometer for um, a, like an early warning sign in the house that things are starting to go awry or the balance is starting to be out of balance? Yeah, sometimes I feel like they try to get away with a lot. Yeah. <laughs> oh, they have that moment. <laughs> I can get away with a lot. That's how my kids kind of roll. Yeah. Um, but it is, it, it comes from, you know, where's that, that normal holding, like where's that normal um, sense of steadiness? Yes. And that sense of um, balance in the house where um, my 11-year-old sometimes gets really cross, oh, you're going to do gym work again. And that, you know, that's quite um, upsetting in a way because it's like, well, this is what I've committed to. Like, what? why are you upset by that? Because it's sometimes about the way I go about it. Mm. Is, um, I do that over and above what I need to do with her mm. and she feels that so yeah they are a huge barometer mm. absolutely and, and so what are what are some of the tips and tricks that you found that can help you not have guilt or shame or um, regret big question sorry Robin it is a big question <laughs> um well, I'm three years in now to going back to uni, so I've learned a lot over the over those years. And if I really, really look after myself, if I really, really look after myself, and not in a selfish way, but to really allow myself to give myself what I need to be able to do what I need to do. So if I deplete myself, then everyone um, kind of, that affects everyone. Everyone feels that. And that's when the guilt and everything comes up. Or if I have wasted a little bit of time and then I have put pressure on myself to get things done at the last minute, then I feel guilt. So I feel like if I'm looking after myself consistently and I'm learning as I go, like I even felt guilty about asking for an extension, like I wasn't keeping up with the rest of, you know, my cohort. But a friend of mine actually said to me, but they don't have your life. So if I put my life into perspective and everything that I need to do and everything that I have you know, said yes to and, and I'm responsible for. And if I stand an even keel with that as much as possible, I don't feel the guilt and the shame and any of that sort of stuff. And it's also not trying to fit in. That's generally where I, I feel a lot of it comes from for me, is trying to live up to a picture of what I think I should be mm. or how I think I should be at uni or how I think I should be at home mm. um, and just sort through it as I go. Because I feel like they're quite common experiences Um, but they're not quite natural you know when you've committed and you have a purpose like that's really solid then where does all the other stuff come in it's like that just trying to find that balance really I remember yeah it does it makes total sense and I I kind of um, am flashing back to a year and a half ago when I was finishing my master's and um, I was in the final little bit of it I had uh, two assignments to go, possibly three, and um, I was in hospital. I went in as an emergency for um, to have my ovaries removed, and 
I came out and the next day I thought, right, okay, I, am, I can take this time while I can't move to study and get my assignments done. I mean, I was on painkillers. I was like off my face and I'm sitting there. I've got piles of my assignment writing around me thinking that this is good time to get the extra, you know, to, to get ahead and get the work done. Well, I, I mean, looking back now, barking mad. But at the time, I was driven to get that done. Yeah, and there's a timing to everything too because what you're describing, like I tried to cut my top of my finger off just before my first lot of exams, I think it was, my second lot of exams. <laughs> um, and I was like, I was sobbing because I couldn't sit my exams. Yeah, not the fact um, that you nearly chopped, you chopped your finger off. Yeah, that's right. I'm like, oh, you know, now I can use this time to study and catch up. No, 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 no. It was rest time. Um, but what I've found is the timing of things is quite pivotal as well. Mm. Like everything seems to get done. Yeah. And um, if I just allow everything, you know, okay, so I need to do the washing now, that's going to set me up for what's next. Mm. That's going to set me up to sit down at my computer and feel solid. And what comes out is then actually a lot quicker than mm. if I go, I'm not going to do the washing, I'm going to sit here in front of the computer and I'm going to make it happen. Um, if I just allow things to flow out during the day, and during the week and just keep going, okay, it's three years now, Robin, everything seems to, you've handed everything in, everything seems to work, it's got really good marks, so yeah. it's not about the marks. Yeah. Um, just just let yourself settle into that and just trust. Yeah, knowing that you're, you'll be able to give yourself fully to what you're doing because you have... You've done the washing, you've unpacked the dishwasher, or you've got someone else to do that. Yeah. Yeah, so life has to happen mm. while you're at uni and, and to bring the stress down and, to, and then to allow yourself to breathe. Life has to happen. And what I find with uni is it tries to take over life. And I've been catching it quicker and quicker as I've been going through the years when it just tries to get that stranglehold and I'm like, no, you can't have it. No, you can't have it. That's it. We we are the ones who either choose to give it or not. Yes. You, thank you so much for the call. It's really helped, uh, I'm sure, a lot of people to understand kind of the the, the real uh, rounded picture. Yeah. Yeah, thanks uh, for the opportunity. Awesome. It's been a massive learning. Yeah, good. Well, thank you for sharing with us so that we can all learn as well. Thanks, Lucy. So there you go. Like, how helpful is that? How relevant is that? Um, it, it's weird when the hopefully the you could hear through the mic changes, but um, you know we we university may ask it for of us, school may ask it of us, but we are the ones that have to give that part of ourselves. We have to be the ones that don't go for the walk, that don't. Um, eat to support ourselves, that don't um, uh, have order around ourselves in order to free up the space to be able to do the study that we have committed to doing without guilt and without uh, meltdowns. And perhaps what we produce in a shorter period of time is actually more effective than what we produce when we feel snowed under by all the things that we haven't done. This morning we've been talking about the juggle of study and stress and how we, um, how we juggle it with our families, how we juggle it with everything else we have to do. And there's an anxiety that kind of just comes in and just takes over. It is, oh, it's actually excruciating 
and can be really quite debilitating because you feel like you're letting everyone down. Um, there, there are always signs before the meltdown, though, because I had a corker yesterday. I had been doing... I've been doing um, some core research. I've been doing a lot of, I mean, I've read so many articles and so many article titles in the past few days. It's just extraordinary. And, um, but I could tell there were some little tells. I started eating while I was studying. I started sitting in different places. Um, there was a bit more mess around me than normal. Uh, I was distracted. Um, I, I felt like, oh, I should I should go and walk the dog. I should go and talk. And actually, I really enjoyed walking the dog and I really enjoyed talking to, to the people that I was talking to. Like I had, had moments of connection with my kids that were just absolute gold um, and friends and talking with them. But then I had this... this um, and in fact, what I when that happened, I went back and worked and I did really well. But when I didn't approach it and embrace it and say, I'm really pleased I've done that, when I actually felt like I needed to be somewhere else rather than there, just a little something came in, a little bit of um, resentment that I hadn't been able to get what I needed to do done. And things technologically started to go a little bit funny um, I would be typing and it would catch up with me a little bit later. Um, my, you know, my email would crash or, I mean, I, I have missed birthdays. I have missed, um, oh, missed talking to my mum, my sister, all, you know, I just haven't, I haven't engaged in the things that I would normally engage with. And there is a shame of that, of not being able to do that, but there's also a shame of potentially failing with the research that I'm supposed to do and actually having that done to the level that I know it needs to be done to and to making sure that it's done because it's a, um, you know, preparing for a PhD, that it's done to the level that is, that is, um, uh, rig the rigor is there and the thoroughness of my research is there. Oh man, you get to a point where you're just running around trying to please everybody um, at the expense of yourself and actually no one is grateful for anything because you're giving bits and pieces to everybody and none of it really is up to the quality that you could be giving. So no one thanks you. No one, you know, like, what's the point? And, it, and what Robin shared there is the point is that you are the one who has walked away from your commitment first in order to make all of this complication feel like complication. So if we take our, our day and we proportion it we section it up into proportion so you've got you know maybe 50 percent of your day is going to be this 25 percent 25 percent or 25 10 10 whatever however you want to divvy it up look at the projects that are on your place plate do a um get a big piece of paper and write down everything that you have that you feel is a commitment and is part and parcel of what you do everything and then you've got to work out what are the things that you need to do absolutely every single day. So your food is, in, is part of that. And food prep is going to be something slightly different because you might be able to food prep on a day where there's a lighter load so that you can actually just put something in the oven or, or um, cook something up um, during, during the day or put something together on the actual day. 
your exercise should be part and parcel of something you do every day how you get up how you go to bed the quality that you bring to everything that you do not just what you're doing so you've got the what there is to do and then there's going to be the commitment to what you do do and then there's a quality to how you do what you do and all of those three things are interchangeable and part and parcel of your outcome what you're going to get so you can focus on what you're going to get but if you don't actually look at how you get to what you're going to get what you're going to get is going to be laced with a need for approval for recognition for acceptance and that's a road to ruin um having been on that for uh, a gazillion years so come back wind it right back look at what you've got on your plate again big piece of paper put it all out there start prioritizing it what are things that you actually could ask someone else to do what are the things that in the family in the, or in the, the home that you live in uh, with the people that you have in your life at work or at home are you doing more than you need to do could people in the home step up and actually take on some more responsibility that could also reflect a life skill to them be it the washing the clothes washing the folding the ironing the the cooking the prep the shopping uh, for food the deciding you know maybe an idea of what we're going to have over the next couple of days all of those things are life skills sitting in front of a television is not a life skill sitting in front of a television is 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 distraction but it isn't a life skill it isn't a core life skill we're taught that from from you know one two three years old that you know you sit in front of the television to occupy yourself or to distract but it doesn't necessarily um it isn't necessarily a life skill that we need to teach all of those other things are are important and get put to the wayside and then they feel like a chore whereas actually they uh, give us the space to then be able to go and study whether it's at school or at uni or um or do the extra work that you need to do it for your job and in your job so looking at that looking at um how to set up your day is is tip number 1 um do things like drink water you can do an assessment okay on another big sheet of paper you can do an assessment of the things that you believe are self care that support you and things that you've got patterns of behavior that you you feel sabotage you just putting it down on paper helps you um get it out we can do this with another person or you can do it with yourself and it depends if you have the the finances to be able to pay someone to do it with you i love doing it with someone else i love doing it with people but that's not always an option in terms of their finances or mine so i have i have um sat down with a big piece of paper and looked at the patterns of behavior that i think really help and the ones that don't drinking water really helps me because that means that i need to go to the loo and by having to go to the loo it means i need to move away from what i'm doing and it gives me a a changed feeling in my body so that when i come back i actually can look at it afresh whereas sometimes i can get so stuck on just finishing that next sentence or just finishing this or just finishing that and actually my body is saying you need to walk away and it's finding a different way to say you need to walk away Um so I started I have built a great relationship with my body and when uh, you know when I I need to take a break my body's really clear about telling me when that is. Um tidying your office. 
You know, I have um, sometimes at the most illogical moments stopped everything and tidied either the kitchen, the office, the bedroom, changed the beds, changed the sheets, whatever it is. I've It seemed illogical to someone else about why I've been doing that. But the moment I've done it, in a way I have ordered my thoughts and the space around me. And when I've actually done what needed to be done, I sometimes write down as I go through the paperwork, the piles of it, I write everything down so of what I need to do. Um, and you can do that digitally or you can do it on paper. But all of a sudden you start looking and then you, I, I, I will reorder that piece of paper to say those are the phone calls I need to make. That's the stuff I can do offline. That's the stuff I need to have. I need to do online. Those are the emails I need to write. Those are the um, people I need to meet up with and see. And you start seeing that there is actually an order that you can bring, um, and you can do the jobs in different times of day and in different places. Sometimes things need to be done within working hours. Sometimes things can be done outside working hours. And how you set yourself up at the start and the end of the day will tell you where you are the most, where you work most effectively, whether you're an early morning person or an evening person. So for me, I'm an early morning person. So I create time from 5 a.m. to do quite a lot of these things before I actually start work. For you, it might be that you do them till 10 a.m., sorry, 10 p.m., um, uh, but I really would not recommend being a hard worker after 10.30 at night because actually physiologically your body needs to sleep and the when it does its re recharging and sorting of the thought processes in your brain, it does that in the evening and it does that at night when you're supposed to be sleeping. So if you've got into a habit of working till 2 in the morning, what is it that you get out of that? Is it that you're actually on your own and that that's what you what that's what you need, that the world is quieter and people aren't constantly asking you questions? And if that's the case, is there a way that you can create that space for yourself when it isn't at the detriment of your physical body doing what it needs to do, the physiology rebalancing itself? So, you know, uh, you you may say the answer to that is yes, my body, I've been doing it for so long, that's, that's uh, how my body's made. And I say, great, okay, you know your body. The next thing I'm going to say is on your piece of paper of what supports you and doesn't support you, um, if you write down what foods support you and what foods don't support you, what drinks support you and what drinks don't support you, how much caffeine have you got in your on your piece of paper? Have you got... Um, a lot of what you eat and drink contains stimulants, either sugar or caffeine, be that alcohol or tea, coffee, um, because tea has caffeine. Um, so just look how much is stimulating in what you're consuming and how much is non-stimulating. Because if you find that you're a night owl, but your diet is very stimulant heavy, I would question whether you really are a night owl or whether your body has been programmed to not address the fact that it's tired. And when we go on holiday, sometimes that can be an opportunity to rebalance that deficit, that sleep deficit. Um, but we do need to address what our patterns of behavior are. Again, if you keep yourself sane and normal by having four cups of coffee a day or um, eating heaps of sugar, 
uh, cakes and having loads of tea or and having stimulants and eating late at night, if that's how you keep yourself going, then that's fine. But question, is it sustainable? It, am I actually quite a ratty person? Am, do, am I quite intolerant? Are there, do I have, st- um, you know, really quite strong opinions about how irritating everybody else is and how they're not understanding me? Perhaps how they're blaming me and how they are um, criticising me. Do we have a lot of that co- conversation going on in our in our world? Which for me is when, you know, I permanently... Um, I, I went through a stage of thinking I was a victim and, and people were constantly thinking X, Y and Z of me. Well, you know, um, my children were very blunt in saying, you know, why why do you always paint yourself as the person that's been hard done by in this situation? And it really did teach me that I'm saying that about myself because I see how hard I'm working and how little people are appreciating what I'm doing but actually no one's asked me to work that hard and therefore no one's really going to appreciate it. So there are so many little warning signs that can be saying to us, hey, there's another way to approach what you're doing. There's another way to approach your work. There's another way to approach your study. There is another way to support yourself, to plant seeds that will germinate into much more supportive outcomes than what we've taken as our normal. Um, so this really, <laughs> this show has really turned out into being um, hopefully quite practical examples of, of how you can look after yourself in while you study and while you parent. The show today is all about the balance that we bring with studying and home life. So what is order? What are the seeds we can sow that create the space for us to do what we are wanting to do in life now this has been about study but i reckon it could be transferred to work i could be reckon it could be transferred to anything that we're doing what can people around us do to support us well they can be prepared to sit down and have that conversation about you know who's doing what i i'd have to say thank you to my family because they're really good my husband is like hats off to him But there is a responsibility for everyone else in the house to also then support, to support. Because if one person stops and another person takes up, there are other people who still sit and do nothing and don't actually contribute. We all have to see that we're all part and parcel of this. Do we have perspective for what we're studying and why we're studying what we're studying or why we're doing what we're doing or why we've committed to the volunteer work or the the paid work that we're doing? Are our timelines realistic? Oh, is it possible for us to get the stuff done in the time? Or do we need to ask for an extension? Do we need to look at pushing pushing that out? Are there some hard lines that are non-negotiable and are the ones that are? Again, if you get a big piece of paper and you can map it, then you get an idea of where the flexibility in your life is. The other tip I have is don't just put study time in your diary make sure that the study time you put in, you allocate to yourself, has a specific task and outcome and make sure that they're small. If you can get more done, then that's a bonus. But don't feel that you put so much in that you fail if you haven't managed to be able to do it. And if if you don't actually know how long a task is going to take you, give yourself a little bit of extra time, a buffer to be able to do it. 
if you find yourself getting distracted by other projects, then change your diary to reflect what you've done so that when you look back, you can see where you've actually overcommitted your time and perhaps a project that you thought was only going to take 20% of your time is actually taking 45% of your time. And then is that project one that you can actually get more support on and, and ask other peoples to help on? The practice of... Um, of uh, saying no and the practice of asking for help you, you cannot in life we can't do everything on our own and I am um, reminded of the amazing uh, reflection that ants give us ants live in colonies in large numbers consisting of millions even though an ant is smaller than your fingernail it can lift 20 times its own body weight and carry it for long distances back to the colony they don't have leaders yet there is a queen ant she doesn't tell the other ants what to do they're all very organized and productive but the ants use sounds and pheromones to communicate let me tell you humans do that as well ants know their role and they carry out their tasks with commitment and without hesitation and they also know when to ask for help because they may need two people to carry the food as opposed to one. We are very capable of doing an awful lot, but we do need to know our boundaries and where we can ask for support. Next week's show is all about shame. It's a pertinent topic, isn't it? I'm joined with um, with a, a regular guest of mine, Jean Gamble. I'm really looking forward to it because I think it will help us understand where we go into patterns of behavior that try and avoid the shame and then go into the denial, which causes all sorts of uh, trouble. You can tune in live at 8.30 or you can listen later in the day via the same In the Loop with Lucy podcast. And I'm on iTunes podcast, so you can listen there through Stitcher, through TuneIn or through SoundCloud. It's always pertinent in these shows to remind ourselves that whatever has or is happening in our lives... We are and always will be us. That little baby that was just adored and is um, oh, scrumulicious. But we're constantly learning. And underneath and in our essence, we haven't changed one little bit. The key is to reconnect to that space and learn to build a relationship or with our bodies, remind ourselves of that relationship with our bodies that holds the essence so we can recognize when our body's saying, Go to the loo! Take a walk, take a break, you've done enough. And and seek support if you need to with an appropriate support service, be that mental or physical health. By listening and responding, we can build tools to address what we do not yet feel equipped to manage, which of course is where we get the anxiety because we don't feel equipped to deal with what's in front of us. So let's build the skills away from those points of crisis so that when... Actually, when they, when they come along, we might surprise ourselves by being able to employ a skill that keeps it in perspective. And that might be taking a walk. That might be asking for an extension. Don't wait for life to come to you. Don't wait for the health help to come to you or for your teacher to change or for anything on the outside to change. Take yourself to life and be the change you want to see in it. Till next week's show, be kind, be caring, be love, be all of you. Thank you for joining me this morning. You've been listening to Stay in the Loop with Lucy on Triple H 100.1 FM. Funky Fabulous, Rachel Kane and Benjamin Hurt, take it away.